Hi everyone, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. If you're watching it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the show, make sure to subscribe so that you get notified when a new show is released. And if you'd like to find links to videos or mp3 files, just go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com and you can also submit any eerie experiences you've had at the Submit Your Story tab. Also, hook up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram where you can find information not only about new shows, but also about monthly free merchandise giveaways. So, get comfortable, enjoy this new episode, and just imagine it's a dark and stormy night where not a creature is stirring, not even a mouse. And if a creature is stirring, you hope it's a mouse. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How is everybody doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I know you might not hear this show right at the time because I'm recording right before Thanksgiving. So when you do uh, hear the, the show, I do want to wish you all a belated Thanksgiving Day, Turkey Day, you know, because now we're going into that season where <laughs> you can put your diet on the back burner, you know, and then just <laughs> do a New Year's resolution, which is what we all do. Uh, whatever the case might be, it's it's a time to be happy, you know, to make good memories. Uh, as you know, I'm here in South Florida and it's in the 80s. <laughs> And the reason why I'm laughing, I'm sorry for the rest of you guys. I'm, I'm looking at the news and I'm seeing up in Northeast in New York, they're having like below record temperatures, like freezing. And I'm looking out my window and it's like, it's hot. It's hot. We've had a couple of cool mornings, but that's it. And I don't mean to, but you know what? It's, it is what it is. Uh, and uh, there's times when you guys are really nice and cool. I'm steaming over here, but. Again, guys, I'm also super excited for the guests that I have here today. I know you guys are going to thoroughly enjoy this interview. And today I have with us Josie Varga. She is the best-selling author of Visits from Heaven. She's the author of several books. Uh, she's been called an angel, has taken human form. Uh, she's a former magazine editor and communications consultant, and her life changed course when she received a validated dream message from a man who died in the September 11th attack on the World Trade Center. Now, she was forever transformed by her experience and she embarked on a spiritual journey as she vowed to help others understand that life truly never ends and love never dies. Life, she says, is eternal and so are we. So let us welcome uh, Josie to the show. How are you doing today, Josie? I'm good, morning. How are you? Fantastic. Um, Josie, uh, you know, we spoke briefly before we started to record and one of the things I always ask, I, obviously in the bio, you know, we make mention that you did have an experience, which sounds like it happened when you were already an adult, but prior to that, did you ever have any type of spiritual, uh, event or experience? And sometimes, you know, as children, we don't recognize it for what it is. Looking back, did yeah. you ever have anything like that? Well, I'll tell you, um, first of all, you know, people always say, you know, prior to your experience, did you believe in mm -hmm. life after death? Did you believe in the afterlife? Absolutely. Um, I, I was raised Roman Catholic, always believed in, you know, God, always believed in the power of prayer. And one of the most amazing things that happened 
prior to my experiences, I was pregnant with my daughter, Erica, at the time, my oldest daughter. And I had uh, what they call an AFP test, you know, where they uh, test the chromosomes. Yes. And the doctor called me up and said, "Um, I'm sorry, Josie, but the baby has Down syndrome. And, of course, I was absolutely devastated. Right. I don't know if you noticed, but I was born with a disability known as cerebral palsy. So when I got this uh, message about, you know, my baby, I was, of course, absolutely devastated and blamed myself and everything. But Mm -hmm. um, I got on my knees that night before I went to sleep. Uh, We had scheduled an AMIO, and I had gotten on my knees, and I prayed to my grandmother, who is deceased, who was already on the other side. And um, the interesting thing is, that night, I had a vivid dream. My grandmother lived in Elizabeth, New Jersey, where I grew up, and she lived in an old uh, two-family house. And in the dream, I walk into the house, into the foyer, and my grandmother lived on the second floor, Marlene. So I look up, and I see my grandmother at the foot of the steps. And she's holding a baby in her arms. Now, oh. I, don't know how, I don't know how I knew, but I knew she was holding a baby girl. And she looked at me and she said, telepathically, mind to mind, there were no words. She looked at me and she said, everything's going to be okay. Okay? And the next thing, uh, you know, I, I woke up out of that dream and I thought, wow, that was, that, you know, that was so real. Well, I went for the MEO and I got a phone call from the doctor saying that, Everything was fine. They couldn't find anything wrong with my daughter. Are you serious? Yeah, and that was from him telling me that she had Down syndrome. So, you know, uh, that was the first thing, the first remarkable thing that that I can tell you before my experience. So, like, I I bring that up because I've always been a believer. And I think that that's um, important uh, as to why what happened to me did uh, For instance, after 9-11, you know, I I have never met my husband's friend and former boss. Never met him. I saw pictures of him, so I knew what he looked like. And I I spoke to him on the phone, but I never met him. So on this particular night, I had this vivid, lucid dream. And in this dream, I, I actually had... It took me a while to understand it, but I actually had an out-of-body experience. So I'm walking down this long hallway, and I come to this door on the right. Walk into the room, Marlene, and I see desks and windows everywhere. And the room had like this, what I would describe like a mist about it, okay? Like this, this fog, and I don't know how else to describe it. But all of a sudden, I look up. And I see my husband's friend. And he says to me, Josie, again, this is telepathically. This is, you know, mind to mind or no words. Right. He says to me, Josie, thank you for mentioning me in your book. Now, what he meant by that, my first book, Footprints in the Sand, is about my life and how I overcame my disability. And when I was finishing that book, my husband came up to me with an email written by his friend and former boss, which talked about the importance of life and how each wasted minute was a crime. 
he wrote that in email two years ago when his, when his father passed away, and my husband kept it. And it was so beautiful that he, for some reason, came up to me and said, you know, this really applies to what you're saying in your book. How about you put it in the book? And I said to him, you know what, okay. So I wrote a little bio about Rich, and I included it in my book. So that's what he meant when he said, Josie, thank you for mentioning me in your book. Now, for reasons that I cannot explain, okay. after, he said, after he said that to me, I looked up at him, and I said, Rich, his name was Rich. I said, Rich, you have to prove to me that this is really you. Okay. And, with that, and with that, he walked up to a desk, and he picked up, it was like a, a flip phone, okay, a cell phone or a flip phone, and he opened it up, and he showed it to me, and on the phone was a picture of him, his wife, and his son. And he said, Boston is okay. All right. He said, Boston is okay. And at the time, I had no idea whatsoever what that meant. But I knew intuitively, I knew immediately that this was a message that he wanted me get to, you know, to get to his wife. So the next thing I know, I would describe going through some kind of a window, and it looked like I was out on the street. And I look out, and I see him in what I would describe as the bed of a pickup truck. That's what it looked like. Okay. And he's, sta- and he's standing behind his uh, wife and son, and he's like, okay, Josie, you know, give them the message, and kind of pushes me forward. And when he did that, Maureen, I woke up in a sitting position, panting and out of breath. I felt like something hit me in my chest. And I didn't know what to think, you know. Okay. Um, you know, was I was I scared? Absolutely. And it's interesting because when I was in the moment, when I was having that conversation with Rich, okay, whatever you want to call it, there was no fear whatsoever. Right. But when I but when I came out of it and I woke up on that bed in a sitting position and panting and out of breath, I was saying to myself, "Oh my God, what the heck just happened?" Because I knew it was real, but nothing like that had ever happened to me before. Right. So I called my husband, who was already at work, and I told him what happened. And I told him, I said, you know, you have to call his wife. His wife's name is Karen. He said, I said, you have to tell Karen that Boston is okay. And how do you think he responded? He responded like, you're crazy. This is ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not calling his wife and telling her Boston is okay and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> And I, I, you know, and I, I was so sure that what I experienced was real, and I was very persistent. And I basically, you know, compromised with him. And what we decided to do is I wrote an email describing what happened, and I sent it to my husband. My husband then agreed to forward it to Karen's sister, Richard's sister-in-law, okay, because they both worked in the same field, and he had her email address. So, okay, so he gets my email, he forwards it to Richard's wife's sister, and he told me that the minute he hit send, he regretted it. You know, he, he regretted it. He was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, he even asked his IT people, is there a way to retract the email because he thought she's going to think I'm crazy, this is ridiculous. Right, yes. But it was, it was already too late. The email was sent, and you know what, Maureen, I was happy because... I knew, 
that I did, but I was right. You were like, whatever comes after this, you know. At least I did what I was supposed to do. Right. There was no, there was no doubt. It, it's very interesting, and it's hard to explain this to someone who hasn't experienced something like this. But there was no doubt in my mind whatsoever that what I had experienced was real. And, and mm-hmm. what I often say is, it actually felt more real there than in this reality. Okay. And again, it's kind of hard to explain that to someone, but that's exactly how it felt. And that's what many people who have these experiences say, especially people that have had near-death experiences. But so let's go back to my husband. So I I tell him, uh, he forwards the email. Two weeks later, we're on vacation, and he gets a message from Richard's sister-in-law on his BlackBerry basically saying, to make a very long story short, they have a brother in Boston. Again, never met Rich, never met his family, nothing. But uh, they had a brother in Boston, and his wife, her sister, was considering selling her home and moving to Boston. But she felt guilty because she had purchased the house back before he died. Right. You know, so... Oh, my God. You know how you read something, Maureen, and don't quite get it? Yes. You know? Like, it what are the chance? There's no way you could have known that. It's like, even yeah, from your like subconscious it, mind, there was no way you yeah. could have known that. But it didn't, when he read it, okay, he was reading the message on his BlackBerry, and he read it again, because both of us are, like, confused, you know? And he read it again, and then we both cupped our mouths, like, <gasps> mm-hmm. oh, my God. You know, then, then it hit me. Oh, my God. Okay, someone who is deceased, someone who I never met before, came to me in my dream with a message for his wife, and that message was now validated. Okay, so talk about being shaken to the core. Absolutely. I I imagine that for you, you must have been like, okay, this was not my imagination or a dream or anything. No, I am at first... To be perfectly honest with you, uh, I mean, I had a few glasses of wine after that because I was. (laughs) (laughs) We we were sitting there, both of us, like, oh my God, like, how could this have happened? And what does this mean? And, Uh and, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, why would it come to me? You know, why didn't you just go straight to your wife and tell her? Why did it come to me? And now I understand that, which we can talk about. But, um, you know, I, I was just in a state of shock. And at first, I didn't go out there and jump on a, you know, and, and shout, hey, world, you know, life never ends, love never dies. I didn't do that at first. <laughs> yeah, you, you were still wrapping your head around it yourself in a sense. Yeah, because, you know, in my, I was afraid that people were going to think I was crazy. And uh, I happened to be talking to my sister-in-law, and she said something very interesting to me. She said, Josie, don't you realize that you've been given a gift? And when she said that to me, it hit me. I'm like, you know what? She's right. I have been given a gift. What a beautiful gift to not be afraid of death anymore and to know that life truly does continue. So I wanted to, you know, help the bereaved, and I wanted to share Mm -hmm. my message. But in the beginning, when I first started researching afterlife uh, communication, it wasn't with the intention of writing a book. It was, you know just to satisfy my own mind and my own curiosity. I wanted to know that I wasn't alone. And, and oh, my God, was I not alone. I mean, there are people around the world who have these experiences. 
you know, and uh, I can tell you, I've been researching this for uh, about 15 years now. Okay. And, uh, and from the beginning to now, you know, more and more people are willing to share their experiences. And I yes. think a lot of that has to do with there are more and more books on the topic. There are, you know, more and more TV shows. So right. people understand, you know, it's okay. This is not so unusual. You know, you're, you're not crazy. Well, right, because at some point, like you said before, there was kind of a little bit of a stigma. If you started talking about that, people would look at you like, oh, you know, what are you talking about there? Even though there's a lot of people that would have had their own personal experiences, but it was like, don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. People are going to think you're crazy. But you know what? It's it's still like that in some ways. I mean, my own family does not understand it. Not my my husband's very, very supportive. I mean, Mm -hmm. he... He's what I would call an open-minded skeptic, and right. and it is it's very important to be open-minded, but also be skeptical, sure. because there are people out there that take advantage of the beliefs. Sure, absolutely, so, I agree with you that. You know, so it's very important to be skeptical, um, but I but I can tell you with absolute certainty that I know uh, what I experienced was real, and I I've had so many experiences since then. You know, and uh, I followed, I wrote Visits from Heaven, which is about afterlife communication, evidential Mm -hmm. afterlife communication. And then I followed that with Visits to Heaven, which is about near-death experiences. Okay. And then I wrote about divine interventions, okay, and angelic encounters in divine visits. And uh, A Call from Heaven is about deathbed phenomena which is uh, when people are on their deathbed, and I'm sure, I don't know if you've ever had experiences like this, but many times when people are on their deathbed, they mention the presence of deceased loved ones. Yes. And I, ha- I had that happen with my, uh, you know, my own grandmother. When my grandmother passed away, I um. went over to my grandmother's house. She was having a heart attack. And my grandmother was saying that my grandfather was there. She kept saying to my mother, your father's here, your father's here. And what's interesting about that, I I didn't notice until after, you know, after the funeral and everything. Two weeks before my grandmother even had her heart attack, I mean, she was completely healthy. She told my cousin, she told my cousin that she was seeing my grandfather. So, you know, the spirit always knows when the time is near. It doesn't matter if you're sick, you're not sick. On a, on a spiritual level, you know, the soul, uh, so to speak, always knows when your time is near. So um, two weeks prior to my grandmother even having her heart attack, she told my cousin that my grandfather had come to her. And I and I wish I would have known that. I, you know, I would have mm-hmm. liked to have asked her, you know, what happened and what did he say. Um, but um, and it's 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 more common than you even realize, you know. Well, I, I one time I had a guest who her regular job, she was a hospice nurse, and she told me, she goes, you know, some of the patients, you know, sometimes she's, she they, she treats them sometimes for months and even years, so she's familiar with them, and she told me, she goes, I know when one of my patients is going to pass away, because exactly like what you described, Josie, they mm-hmm. will start commenting about seeing some deceased loved one or relative she goes and sometimes i know who they're talking about that's why i know that when they say a certain name they're talking about some family member and she goes and sure enough when they start making those comments 
I know that pretty soon they're going to be dying. Yeah, and it's not only, uh, obviously, the number one type of deathbed phenomena is visual, okay? Mm -hmm. They see their deceased loved ones. They see divine figures and angelic figures or, or what have you. Sometimes they don't recognize the people that are there. It could be a spirit guide, and they right. don't recognize who that person is. Um, another one is a gateway. Um, a lot of times a portal will right. actually open up in a room. Um, another type is atmospheric changes. Sometimes uh, temperatures change in the room. There's a, a mist in the room. There's, a, you know, like a fog or, or what have you. Sometimes there's atmospheric changes in the room. It, they, a lot of times, and I, I spoke to one nurse who told me she literally saw a white mist leaving the body when her patient died. Isn't that, that's incredible. Yeah, and she actually saw uh, a white mist. I spoke to another nurse who said it was more silver in color. So, mm -hmm. you know, people don't always say white. They, they, can't, they do say other colors. And another thing is synchronicity, okay? Yes. There was a story about a man who passed away, and when they went to his house, every single clock in his house was stopped at the time of his death. Wow. Every single crop was stopped at the time. Yeah, and um, I know uh, other cases where at the time of someone's death, they get a phone call, you know, yes. and they hear, they hear static uh, mm -hmm. on the other end, okay? There's a whole bunch of different things that happen. Synchronicity is another one. Another one is dreams, okay? So many people have reported that at the moment of death, right, they had a dream. Like in one case, uh, someone I interviewed, her mother passed away. And at the moment of death, she was sleeping, and her mother came to her in her dream and was saying goodbye. Okay? And she was saying goodbye to her mother in her dreams, and all of a sudden woke up to the sound of the phone. You wow. know, the phone was ringing. She went over to pick up the receiver, and it was the hospital telling her that her mother had just passed away. Right. And that's something I've also, and I'm sure you probably maybe run across this when you've interviewed people or your research where, like you said, synchronicity, where some people that are passing away will wait till a loved one, you know, arrives, a certain person. Like, in other words, once that person arrives, they they pass. And then I've heard yeah. the opposite where it's almost like they wait for the family to take a break, almost like they want that moment. Yeah, they, um, you know, one thing I can tell you, is that many people can choose the moment yes. of death. Some people can't. In my mother's case, my grandmother was telling her, you know, go home. It's okay. She said, Anna, go home. My mother's name is Anne. She called her Anna. Mm -hmm. She said, Anna, go home. Go home. It's okay. I'll be fine. You come back later. My mother left that hospital, okay? Within minutes, my grandmother went into cardiac arrest again. Right. And, right. And it's almost away. like they want to spare the loved one for lack of a better word, the trauma of maybe seeing doctors or nurses rush into the room and try, you know, whatever, or, you know, handle some type of crisis moment. Yeah, and it's also because I'm, I can tell you another thing. You know, people always say to me, well, you know, what book was it that truly told you there was life after death? And honestly, it's, it's all part of the puzzle. Like every single one of my books is just a piece, like, you know, 
all of these phenomena uh, matter, in, in other words. But one thing that I can tell you after writing a call from heaven mm-hmm. is that we do, we do not die alone. No one does. We do right. not die alone. And, and to me, that's very comforting. Yes, so, uh, yes. You know, so confident to know that we do not die alone. Um, and, you know, when you take into account, like, all of these experiences, they, 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 they count for something, you know. I, yes. I came up with a method that I call VBU, and what that stands for is volume, okay, believability, mm-hmm. and uniformity. Okay. So when it comes to volume, Marlene, how many people have reported such phenomena? In my latest book, for instance, I interviewed doctors and nurses and scientists and experts. Mm-hmm. So how many people have reported such phenomena? Um, believability, how credible are they? Again, right. I interviewed doctors and experts and scientists. So how, how credible are they? And uniformity, how similar are the claims? One thing that amazes me, no matter what type of spiritual phenomena that you are, you know, talking about, they are so different, yet they are so much alike. You know, does that make sense? Yes. There's there's so many uh, similarities in all these experiences, yet at the same time, they are very different. And, you know, people say, well, you know, that's just anecdotal. It's Mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, personal experiences, and that's not really proof. And that, that's not true. And Albert Einstein once said, all knowledge of reality starts with experience and ends in it. So in other words, all knowledge starts with personal experience. These experiences, you know, matter very much. And you and I were talking um, before we went live here. But mm-hmm. And one of the things that I said to you is for those of us that have had such experiences, no proof is necessary. Right. It's it's okay. a personal it's, experience that you could tell other people, but even if they don't believe it or whatever, you don't have proof or whatever. You it, that's it. It's sufficient because you know what you experienced. Yeah, and like I don't I don't need proof. And right. But for those of us that haven't had such experiences, you know, I don't know. Maybe no proof will ever be enough because it's 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 yes. very difficult. It's very difficult. No matter how many. Uh, stories I I point in my book, no matter how much I talk about it, okay? I might be, one of the things that someone said to me, a friend of mine, prior to the publication of Visits from Heaven, he said to me, Josie, you're not going to change minds. He said, you know, you might open minds, Josie, but you're not going to change minds. And you know, it's it's so true, and I and now I understand where he was coming from and what he meant by that. But but honestly, it doesn't really matter. Like I like I told you, I have people in my family that don't believe, and that's okay. Right, exactly. You know, that's, and everybody right... sometimes they arrive to it at a certain point. They're just not ready for it. Yeah, they're just not ready for it. So um, and oh, and before I was telling you that I often wondered why Rich's wife would come to me yes. and not to someone else. And what I what I realized is, think about it. What happened to me is what I call a third-party sign, okay? Mm-hmm. So it's actually very evidential because yes. I had no, you know, like let, let's say Rich's wife, okay, let's say she had a dream, the same dream I had. 
So she has right. this dream, and, and her husband's telling her Boston is okay. Now, she's already, Marlene, feeling guilty about wanting to move. Yes. So she but might be thinking, mind, it's me, it's just I'm making this up. Yeah, exactly. But now you come to me, another, a third party, who has no knowledge of this whatsoever, who has never even met the family, and you give this message to me. Now, how validating is that? Of course, because there's no way that they could say, well, you knew that somehow. No, I didn't. How could I know about that? You know, how could I know about that? And, you know, what benefit does that give me to make this story up? Exactly. You know, like, like I said, I did not uh, want to tell anybody in the beginning. I was quiet sure. as anything. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, I, and that's the thing, you know, and I, I, I'm, you know, I have to laugh because, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember that, um, that show, it's not off the air now, it's Ghost Whisperer, where she was getting these visitations, and she would yes. be forced to run and confront these people, you know, and tell them about her ghostly visitations. I'm thinking to myself, come on, you know, most people that have an experience like that really think good and hard, like, how am I going to approach somebody that's possibly grieving and tell yeah, them it's, this? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very hard. I mean, even for, you know, you have all these meetings, like you see Teresa Caputo, and I don't know yes. how, how true this is, but like she'll go into the supermarket and she yeah. gets these messages. And I find that a little hard to believe because, I mean, let's face it, you're walking around with a bunch of cameras. So. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, why is that lady got a cameraman following her? You know what I'm saying? So it's not like these people don't know that something is going to happen here. Um, but. Uh, you know, when you go up to somebody who is unsuspecting, who, yes. who doesn't believe, and you give them a message that you couldn't have otherwise known, how do you explain something like that? There's a, yes. a, in my last book, one of the stories that I love in a, in a Call from Heaven is this little boy named Eddie Cuomo, okay? Um, it's an experience known as a peak Indian experience, and... What that means is when um, those on their deathbeds mm-hmm. mention the presence of a deceased person of whose death, Marlene, they had no knowledge. Okay. okay? Let me explain that. So uh, Dr. Bruce Grayson over at the University of Virginia wrote a paper about these deathbed phenomena. And I had the, the distinct pleasure of meeting him. He's a wonderful man. Uh, that truly cares about his research. But one of the stories that he mentioned was a little boy named Eddie Cuomo. Okay. And Eddie is in the hospital, and he's in a coma. Okay? Okay. So he, had, he ran high fevers. He was in a coma. He comes out of the coma. Then he tells his mother and father that he went to heaven. And he tells his mother that he saw Grandpa Cuomo. His, you know, he's mentioning all his deceased loved ones on right. the other side. And then all of a sudden, he says to his father, oh, and Dad, I saw Teresa. Teresa was his sister. Teresa, as far as they knew, was healthy and fine away at college in Vermont. Oh. But yet, his son comes out of this coma tells his father he went to heaven and tells him, oh, and by the way, I saw Teresa. And Teresa said I had to go back. So, of course, his parents get very upset. Sure. And say, what are you talking about? You know, your sister's fine. She's away at college. And the the little boy says, 
no, 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 Dad. I saw her. I saw her. She told me that I had to go back. Well, oh. that night, when his parents got home, they found out that their daughter did, in fact, die the night before in a car accident. Oh, my God. Okay? Oh. Now, again, every time I tell that story, like just now, I got goosebumps. I mean, <laughs> because... Let me tell you something. I, I, I think that anybody, but if you're a parent... That's like, okay, like, please make, wake me up out of this nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but how do you explain that, Marlene? Of course how not. How explain? could that? There's no way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, other than to say, you know, because people, people come up to me and say, oh, I don't believe, I don't believe. So I always say, well, that's all right. You have a right to believe whatever you want to believe. And I'm not going to push my beliefs on you. I'm going to present my research and these experiences, and you can make up your own mind. But how do you explain a boy being in a coma, coming out of the coma, telling his parents that his sister, who, as far as they knew, was alive As far as they knew, right. So it wasn't even that you could say, you know how sometimes they say people in comas can hear? It's not even that you could say, well, he overheard a conversation his parents were having. Exactly. Because everybody in the room didn't know what was going on. Exactly. Right. Okay. Um, so that is that is one of my uh, that favorite. is that is uh. And let me the does he did that child come out of you know after that out of the coma finally did he recover? Yes. Does, he's covered. He, he's he's perfectly fine. But unfortunately, they they lost their daughter. Wow. Um, but you know what the. Honestly, there is a little bit of comfort there. Yes. Because to know that, you know, her younger son said he went to heaven and, right. you know, saw his sister, mm-hmm. at, least she, at least she knew that her daughter was still very much alive. Right. You, know, that, you know, I mean, that is, I think that it, that is comforting. Of course, you know, like of people, course. People within... always ask me, you know, is it easier when I lose a loved one, Marlene, they say, is it easier for me? And to be honest with you, yes. Right. It's e- easier. But is it easy? No. 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 It stinks. Okay? It's horrible to lose um, a loved one because I'm yes. not going to be able to uh, experience them physically like I do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, however, I can say that it's easier for me in some ways because I do know that life continues. Right, you which know, is it, it, right, which we, 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 we talked about that that a lot of times the difficulty for families, especially if it's not an elderly person, if it's maybe somebody that's we don't think of as eventually, you know, when we have family members that are old, you kind of get to that point where you know eventually they're going to pass away. But when it's a younger person or just younger, that mm-hmm. I think that the, the family who who's, doesn't understand is worried, like, is this person okay? Like, what happened to, you know. That uncertainty, that wanting to take care of them. So, like what you said, having within the most horrible moment that comfort yeah, of saying this it, person's it, okay. Exactly. I mean, I'm. I mean, I would be absolutely devastated if anything mm-hmm. ever happened to my daughters. You know, I have two daughters, and you know, uh, it, it, I'm not. You know what I mean? I would be absolutely devastated. Right. But it. But it is a. It is a comfort to me um, to know that life does continue. In my latest book, I'm doing research uh, 
uh, I'm, I'm kind of including all of my research in one book. Okay. okay? And I uh, recently had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Dr. Tony Sequoia. And uh, Dr. Sequoia um, was struck by lightning. And one thing that really amazed me is, so he's struck by lightning, okay? Okay. The, the, for, the force of the lightning, you know, pushes his body back. So he feels his body uh, being pushed back about 10 feet from the force of the lightning. But he says all of a sudden he wasn't going backwards anymore. He felt himself going forward. And he said it was a very weird sensation, okay? Okay. So he looks back and he sees... He, he was using a payphone. This was in 1994, so they didn't have cell phones. So he was using a payphone. The lightning struck the building that the payphone was attached to, and the oh lightning came through the receiver and hit him in the face and came out of his foot. Oh, okay? my God. So all of a sudden, he sees the phone dangling there, and he sees his mother-in-law running down the steps, running towards him, and he's wondering, what the heck, you know, what's going on here, Right. right? Well, she runs past him, and he says to himself, you know, why is she, you know, running past me? What's going on? And he turns to look and see where his mother-in-law is going, Marlene, mm-hmm. and he sees his body on the ground, okay? Wow. So he's, out, he's outside of his body. Right, right. L- looking down and sees himself on the ground. But one thing that really struck me in talking to him, he said for not one second, not for one millisecond, was he not conscious, okay? He said he was able to think, he was able to feel, he was very much conscious the whole time. So his, in other words, his self-awareness was always there. Yes, exactly. And it's just interesting, you know, he called it a continuum of consciousness. Okay. Okay, well, well then what is consciousness? Okay, consciousness, that's the big thing these days. You know, everybody's discussing, well, what is consciousness? But I'll tell you one thing, consciousness is not limited to the body. Because if consciousness was limited to the body, then when we die, that's it. And you you remember that that, that there was a time where there was a debate when to call... you know, cons- you know, call somebody, you know, call the death. Was it that finally they said, okay, it's when the brain shuts down because they realized right. that even if the right. heart was not pumping, then it was the brain. And, but I, I agree with you. It, death really is not strictly just a biological thing or event. No, it's not. And you know, what's interesting. I just wrote about it today. Uh, as a matter of fact, there are cells in the body. We have what? I think 37 trillion, 37 trillion cells in the human body. And when we die, a lot of those cells don't die with it, okay? When the body dies, a lot of those cells don't die with the body. A lot of those cells are still alive for a period of time. So then what is death? You know, it's very hard to pinpoint the moment of death, especially who you have, um, like I said, Dr. Sequoia, who is a, a prominent orthopedic surgeon who is very much trained in science, okay, and the idea that consciousness dies when we die, but right. yet he and has, you know, yet he's struck by lightning, and he realizes, wait a minute, what's going on here? I'm still very much aware. I'm still very much conscious. And another thing, one of the things that I love about his story 
about three weeks after he was struck by lightning, he had this insatiable desire to listen to classical piano music okay. out of nowhere. His mother, um, he had lessons for a year when he was a little boy, but he didn't really care for piano music, you know, you know, uh, gratefully gave it up, didn't want to do it. And now he is, I think in his 40s, has this experience and wants to listen to piano music. Okay, so he goes out and he buys, you know, music. He, he goes by, uh, you know, uh, sheet music. He, his babysitter had asked him, coincidentally, to um, store his, her piano at his house. And when she did that, he now had a piano to use. So he started to play the piano. Do you know, he had a dream wow. in, which, in which he was given the composition for a song, okay, which he calls the Lightning Sonata. So if you, if you go on YouTube and you put in the Lightning Sonata, it'll come up. So he was given this, you know, the composition, this music. He was given this music in his dreams. Wow. And it's... And it, and it took him forever to figure out how to actually compose the music. That's incredible. And now, here he is, actually performing in concert halls. And he was given, he said when he had the dream, he saw himself. He said it was an out-of-body experience. He walked up to himself, and he was sitting at a piano playing the song. And after the dream, he couldn't get that music out of his head. Right. Yes. You know, and that, 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 I think that's one of the phenomena that's so incredible about some of the near-death experiences. You know, besides the people that relate, like you said, seeing and being witness to things that are sometimes in another room totally. It's yeah, exactly what you're yeah. describing where they can recall or do certain things that before, there's like languages, everything. It's incredible. It's, a, it's incredible. So I'm very excited about being able to share his story. Um, you know, Josh Gates, uh, I think it's Expedition Unknown, um, interviewed him recently. So uh, his, his story is really, really phenomenal. And besides that, he is just an all-around really nice person, you know, that right. uh, really cares about what he's doing. And he even told me that he's working, about, you know, working on a book himself. And I'm glad because it, the story is so phenomenal, phenomenal, it needs to be told. You know, I told him that. I said, well, I'm glad because it needs to be told. <laughs> well, because it's, it's. I want to say, Josie, that there's people that they go along in life, and it's not whether they believe or disbelieve, it's just that nothing's ever happened in their life which has led them in the direction of really questioning it. And then something does happen to them yeah. or to somebody, you know, close to them. Well, all of a sudden, they start doing what you, start reading books, start trying to find out what what is this really about? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times when people get older, they start to think about, you know, death, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, they're, they're curious about it, and then oftentimes it's because they lose a loved one. You know, right. that that happens. That happens a lot. I have a group on uh, Facebook called Visits from Heaven. Mm -hmm. And many of my members are bereaved, so they come onto the group to share their experiences. And I, and I think that's really important because I want people to understand that they are not alone, you know, that these experiences are um, very much real, 
you know, I, I'll tell you one thing very quick. Um, when I was writing Visits from Heaven, uh, one of the stories involved a girl named Angel. And I, after the book came out and everything, I was in my room folding laundry. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, I heard her voice. Um, I'm, I'm very clairaudient, by the way. I'm, okay. I'm hearing impaired. But yet I'm clairaudient, which means I can I, I hear messages in my mind, which I think yes. is very interesting. Okay. I understand. I understand. So, uh, so I'm in my room and I hear call my mom, and intuitively, Marlene, I knew that it was this girl, Angel, and I'm saying to myself, call your mom. You know, how am I going to call you? Why am I going to call your mom? I didn't know why mm-hmm. she wanted me to call her mother, but but I was sure that that was her. So I went downstairs and I got my contact folder. I pulled out uh, the mother's uh, contact information, not knowing how the heck I was going to explain this to her mother. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I, you know, I've learned, I've learned over the years to trust my intuition. So I, um, I called her mother and basically I explained what happened. And you know what was amazing? Her mother said to me, oh my God, she said, Josie, do you know what day it is today? And I said, no. She said, today is my birthday. Oh, and wow, I, Josie. I know. And I said, oh, my gosh. I said, well, I said, happy birthday from your daughter. Now, had I not listened to that voice. Yes, you're right. You know what I'm saying? And, and there are a lot of people out there that do get messages. Yes. That, you know, that don't listen to the messages that, you know, that think, OK, I'm I'm just going crazy. You know? <laughs> yes. Um, so so it's important. It's important to listen to that inner voice. You know, so um, right. I was uh, I w- that was another shocker for me. You know, I never forget. I never forget that story. And I don't know how, but when I heard the voice in my head, when I heard call my mom, I knew it was her. I just knew it was her. Right. It's one of those things that. And and I have to say, Josie, I know that, you know, earlier you referred to that possibly when you had that, you know, that connection with this mm-hmm. friend of your husband's, the, the one that with the 9-11, you know, thing mm-hmm. that you said, OK, maybe he chose me because to in, a, in order to validate it, because if it would have gone to maybe a close family member, they would have doubted it. They would have played it off. You know, some of my subconscious, my imagination, a million things. But then I also want to say that there's also, there's got to be something about you. You must have some type of level of sensitivity that also enables that to happen. Yeah, well, you know, um, definitely, I think it's important. Um, Let's put it this way. Um, You know, people always ask me, well, you know, for a sign all the time and I don't get anything. Mm Well, number one, if you want a sign, ask. Ask. It's as simple as that, because those on the other side can hear us. They are still aware of us, and they can hear us. So if you want to sign, ask. But it's important to understand that conditions have to be right on both sides of the veil. Okay, so a lot of times when people are grieving, Mm -hmm. okay, it makes it harder for for their loved ones to come through, you know, whether they are stuck in anger or whatever, you know, what have you. Um, it makes it harder for our, their loved ones to come through. So what do they do? They go through a third party or someone else that they know will get the message yes. to their loved one. You know, uh, how did Rich know that I would get this message to his wife? 
I don't know, but um, after that, when I was working on visits to heaven, I happened to comment to my husband one time. I said, you know what? It's funny how, uh, you know, it was because of it that visits from heaven came into being. And at the time, I made a comment that I had not heard from him, quote, unquote, you know, uh, whether in a dream or whatever. And so that day, I went to New York because I was doing a radio show in New York. Right. And I was out, I was like in a common area there, and uh, the 17-year-old psychic medium was standing there. And he looked at me, and he said, uh, uh, Josie, and I said, yeah, he said, I have a gentleman here for you. So what do I do, Marlene? I look behind me. I'm like, okay, where's this gentleman? You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, all right. I'm like, all right, where is he? And he, and, she go, and he goes, no, 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 in spirit. So he starts describing the man behind me, and I realized that it was my husband's friend. Okay? Oh. And I said, oh, my God. I said, oh, my God, it's rich. And he looked at me and he said, yes, it's rich. He said to tell you that you've been led to do what you do. And that, and I, and I was led to my original publisher, uh, AOE Press, the Association uh-huh. for Research and Enlightenment. He says that I was led to that publishing company. And it's so interesting because I had contacted them for reprint permission for one of the stories that, that is in the book. And for some reason, I felt a connection to uh, this woman, Cassie. Like, I just, I just felt a strong connection to her. And she felt a strong connection to me. And okay. that was why I decided to go with AOE. I, I followed my, you know, my heart and my inner voice throughout this whole thing. And one interesting thing, as he said to me, oh, and he says, by the way, the book that you think is coming out when it's coming out isn't. It's actually coming out two months later. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> and now... And, and, and that was my book, Visits to Heaven, which is about near-death experiences. And all of a sudden, like I said, we were in the common area waiting to go into the studio. And all of a sudden, the producers called us in. So I never got to finish my conversation with the, the psychic medium. Okay. okay. Interestingly, shortly after that interview, I got a call from my publisher. The oh, book was boy. not coming out in December as planned. It was coming out in February. Two months later. And you're like, oh, I knew it. <laughs> you're just like, How you know? did you? <laughs> so it's like, um, you know, you can't, I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. Right. Um, and, and, that's a, and that's another thing, like you said about synchronicity. Mm-hmm. The, oper- the moment that you cross paths with somebody, a psychic medium, that's able to pass this information, I, I, I really don't think that those things are happenstance. I, well, you know what they say, there is no uh, coincidence that yes. everything happens for a reason. Yes. And uh, I definitely uh, believe that. I mean, I've had so many things happen in my life. Um, you know, there, there are so many people that I meet that I either feel a strong connection to or I, I don't, you know. Um, and, I, and like I said, I've learned to follow that inner voice. You know, right. I'm I'm more I'm more comfortable with uh, the whole thing now. Like I said in the beginning, it was hard for me to go public with my experience, and you know, and it it, it was just hard because I didn't know what people were going to think or what people were going to say. And um, nowadays, morning, <laughs> I don't I I 
could care less, uh, you right. know, what people say, because um, it took me a while to understand, hey, you know, you know that what you experienced was real. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Right. But I, but I really honestly think, um, you know, times are definitely changing. Yes. You know, more and more people are coming forward with their experiences. Um, about 80% of people have had some kind of spiritual experience. Yes. Um, whether that's, uh, you know, an afterlife communication, uh, you know, deathbed visit, whatever, premonition, 80% of people have had some kind of spiritual experience. So the majority of the people out there have had some kind of spiritual experience. And according to I am, have near-death experiences. Yes. So these phenomena are very common, you know, more common than most people even realize. Well, I think also... um nowadays there's so many ways to resuscitate people that before would have just died because either the methods or the drugs were not available. So I think Mm -hmm. that with more people being resuscitated and being brought back that they're able to, and like you said, there's, whereas before they would have said, I'm not going to talk about this because they might cart me off, you know, the men in white people are now, like you said, there's books about it. I mean, Dr. Moody, all, you know, all these books and all these, um, stories from very credible sources uh, where people are more willing to talk about their experiences. They have, you know, Dr. Sam Pania, um, he's been all over TV recently, but Dr. Sam Pania did a study uh, where he determined that there was conscious awareness much later than they thought. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was a man who was able to describe what was going on in the room for up to three minutes after, you know, he he was supposedly dead. Okay. Wow. So what does what does that mean? You know, when does death actually occur? You yes. know, they they say that um, you know the brain typically stops, everything stops within thirty seconds. No, that's not true. Oh, because no. they because they found that there still is conscious awareness. Right. So uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. It, it, I think it's going to be very hard for people to actually come up with a definition of death, and that and and that is one of the things that I talk about in my latest book. You know, right. what is death? Right, you know, right, right, I, right. I don't, like right. That's not the end of us. Just just maybe, just because maybe our bodies. Are not can't operate anymore for whatever reason, disease, you know, yeah. old age, trauma. That doesn't yeah, mean us that. doesn't stop. What is, yeah, but what, is, what does that mean? Like, okay, mm-hmm. okay, so I've been researching the afterlife, like I said, for what, 15 years now. But right. it's, not, it's not just about understanding that life continues, Marlene, because what does that say about who we are? Okay, what right. is the body? What is the meaning? Of, of life, you know, who are we really, mm-hmm. and who who we really are are spiritual beings having a physical experience. Exactly. It's not the other way. It's not the other way around. This is something that Ego Casey said a long time ago. Ego Casey was a famous psychic medium. He's the one who started the Association for Research and Enlightenment. Mm-hmm. One of the things he said is birth in the physical 
is death in the spiritual. Death in the physical is birth in the spiritual. Okay? Right. I remember on one of my, I've done a lot of radio interviews, and I was once asked, well, what is death? And I was tongue-tied for a second, you know, like, okay, but you know what? What is death? Well, I can tell you what it isn't. It's not the end. And death, if if I really had to describe what death is, death is a transition. It's a transition from one form to another. Um, An analogy that I often like to use, say you have uh, a glass of ice. Okay. Mm-hmm. What happens, Marlene, when that glass of ice is sitting there for a long time? What happens to the ice? Melts, transforms. Okay, it, it melts. Okay. Now, if it sits there, uh, you know, still longer, what happens? Evaporation. That, that, yeah, that that ice turns to water. That water begins to evaporate. Okay. The molecules, the H2O, everything goes up into the atmosphere again. The whole thing, the whole process starts again. So that water is not in its original state, but it's still there. It's just in a different form. And that's exactly what happens to us. You know, Um, one of the things that we know that, that has been proven by science is that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Mm-hmm. Okay, it can only change form. Exactly. And when you break down the human body, that's exactly what we are—energy. Energy. And when we, yeah, and when we die, we go back to that initial state. Right. You know, right. our our true our true essence is the soul. Okay, is spirit. It's not the physical. It's not the body. And when we are. You know, that's one of the things that I understood when I had my experience. And you know what, Josie? A lot of people, you know, I, I'm going to say these are the, you know, the people that think, okay, when you die, that's it. And sometimes they say, well, you know, these people that believe in the afterlife, they're like comforting themselves because they don't want to face the reality that we are finite, you know, that, that that's it. That once our bodies die, that's the end of it. And mm-hmm. I think it's the not really it's not a comfort thing it's more of a fearless thing i want to say that when you want to believe that all we are are is our physical bodies it's almost the people that are afraid and they just want to make sure like so it's okay when i die that's it it's over done and i've heard that a lot of these people as they go grow older then they start to question that that. i'm glad you brought that up because um in my case maureen that doesn't apply does it because right. I had an experience in which a man I never met. Exactly. Okay. They say that, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, think up these things just to deal with the finality. Yeah, of right. Like a death. coping mechanism kind of thing. Yeah. However, that's, that doesn't apply to me. I, I was not dealing, thank God, I was not dealing with the loss of a loved one at the time of my experience. And I never even met this man. Okay, so yes. how do you explain that? Right, and that's and that. But see, the 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 naysayers are always going to point to the, uh, you know, oh, you know, people like you know, like they 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 they're trying to deny that it's inevitable that we're gonna die, 
in what I was saying before mm-hmm. is that I've heard of a lot of these people that once they start getting on in age, something that you mentioned earlier, they start second guessing these this belief that they used to have that yeah. all we are is just our bodies. Because absolutely, it's it's true. They, but like I said, I'm not I'm not sugarcoating the issue. I mean, right. yes, no, we we die, so we die in the physical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our body definitely dies, but we don't die in the spiritual. And the spiritual is who and what we really are. You know, that that's the best way that I can um, describe it. And really, it doesn't make sense to me when I think about it. Does it make sense that um, God or a supreme being or whatever it is you believe, mm-hmm. okay, that we were created just to die? And that's it. Well, of course, and and um, and this is the thing that just because we don't know or understand everything doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. If we exactly. only get the periphery of maybe what happens in the afterlife, that's fine because maybe we're not meant to. Because the thing is this, and I tell everybody, you know, we're we're anchored to this to our existence in the, in the third dimension to be able to operate. If we maybe knew too much, it would make it impossible to live your life as inside our body so maybe we're only meant to know just a little bit and then it's like get back to living okay well uh, let's take this into account okay when it comes to the universe all right 25 percent is dark matter mm-hmm. 70 percent is dark energy five percent only five percent is what you and i can see exactly like what else the is trees you know, the rocks, the sky, everything that we can see is only 5%. Why is that? Now, just because we can't see the majority of the universe doesn't mean it's not there. Exactly. Now, exactly. Nikola, Nikola Tesla, who uh, I greatly admire, okay, he said something interesting. He said, the day science begins to study non-physical phenomena, it will make more progress in one decade mm-hmm. than in all our previous centuries in existence. Yes. Okay, so just because we can't see something doesn't mean it's not there. Doesn't mean it doesn't right. exist. Yeah, and, and you know, like I and, said, sometimes it's and like sometimes you said it's all in the timing. Maybe us as humans in our evolution, maybe at a certain point we weren't ready to understand it or to to take it in mm-hmm. um, maybe we're at a stage that we can't I mean there's a lot of unknowns there uh, but I, I guess what I'm saying is personally I don't I, I'm I think that I consider myself always the student which means I'm always going to be learning okay but right. I also don't have a problem that there's certain things I may never know that's okay with yeah, me because... Yeah, I think, right. I think, I, wanna, I was just talking about this recently. Okay, I've been um, studying this for a long time. And the more I learn, Marlene, mm-hmm. the more I need to learn. Right. Okay, because I, I realize that there is so much that we don't understand. And maybe there's so much, you know, we're not meant to understand. I don't know. But our beliefs do not change the truth. Like, sure. Um, I was raised Roman Catholic. Um you know, I was raised to believe you go to heaven, you know, you die, you go to heaven, that's it, all right? Mm-hmm. But when you, 
but um, take uh, reincarnation, for instance. Mm-hmm. What does that say about reincarnation? Exactly. I might not, you know, like the idea of coming back here and learning lessons until I get it right or whatever, right. okay? But, but my beliefs and what I'm comfortable with doesn't change the truth. Right. And it's maybe something that nobody ever really knows until you die. I mean, it's like one of those things, like as long as you're alive, you're never going to get a complete answer. And that's just the way it is supposed to be. Exactly. But one thing I can say, you know, I definitely know that there's more to our physical existence. I know that, um, you know, there is an afterlife. There is a life after death. And, uh, you know, people, people say, well, how do you know that? And I say, because... I experience, because of my experience, you know, I I was in the presence of a deceased person who mm-hmm. I did not know, okay, who gave me a message for his wife. Right. And and that message was later validated. And, and all things aside, okay, because I can say that a thousand times to somebody. If they don't want to believe, they're not going to believe. Absolutely. But, and but, I, but totally, I, but, I totally agree with you that there's some people that, you know what they just have what that that's that that's that's their path what i call it that's the path they're on yeah that's the path they're on and you know um that's okay but i i'll tell you i feel um totally blessed uh maybe at the time i didn't feel totally blessed because i didn't know how the heck to deal with what happened um but but now looking back um i'm totally blessed and um i'm grateful to have the opportunity to help others Josie, have you ever had an experience where you've been out and about and mm-hmm. you've had some spirit, somebody saying, you know, maybe somebody that's been desperate they, and they've had to communicate with a loved one and tell them something like what you described when she's my mother and, and it just turned out that it was that person's birthday. Have you ever had that experience like more immediate that you're like, which by I can imagine puts you in quite a quandary. Like how do I tell this person that I might not have any connection with that I'm getting this message. Have you ever had that? I've had uh, so many things happen. I mean, I, I, we could do a whole show. Um, <laughs> all these. But one of the, but like what I said before is um, people always ask me, well, how come I haven't received any signs? And I always right. say, you know, ask. Um, when I, I had a significant birthday uh, recently, and uh, I was very, very close to my godmother. So mm-hmm. I, I said to her, I said, you know, godmother, I, uh, Lucy, her name was, I said, Lucy, you know, give me a sign today. Give me a sign. And my mother had accompanied me to the store. And we're walking across to go into Home Goods over here in, uh, in New Jersey. And I look down and I see a dime. And my godmother always communicates with dimes because she passed away uh, in 2010. So I always, once our deceased loved ones know that you recognize a sign as being mm-hmm. from them, they will repeat it. Well, right. I, pick up, I pick up the uh, corn. And the corn was the year of my birth, and I thought, oh, wow. that's interesting. So I put it, I put it in my pocket. I, we go into the store, okay? Because there's always that part of me that says, oh, well, you know, I need mm-hmm. more. I, I need more, uh, you know, I need more of a validation. So we go into the store, we do our shopping, we come out, and in the same spot again is another dime. Oh, Pick God. it up. It's What's the year the of my godmother's of death. So... 
we go in, it's the year of my birth. We come out, it's the year of her death. And I had asked her for a sign. So that, you know, um, like I said, and I knew it was from her. I knew it was mm-hmm. from her. So when you want a sign from your loved one, ask. But then you have to pay attention. Because a lot of times people receive signs and they don't even recognize the sign. They don't even realize that they're getting a sign. Right. Like the, the, And one of the things, and, you know, most people obviously, you know, when there's the passing of a loved one, there's grief. But sometimes I think that in some cases the communication is laid because if there's a lot of guilt or even anger because the, those feelings do come up sometimes depending on the relationship between people. I think sometimes right. that has to kind of like fade to the background. In other words, a little bit of time has to go by so that they are able to recognize the communication it, or the dep- sign. Yeah, but it depends. You know, um, like people ask me all the time, well, when is it too soon right. to get a sign from your loved one? And the answer is, it's not. Um, after going back to my godmother, my godmother passed away. And two days later, I was on the phone with a psychic medium. Uh, we had a, uh, a conference call about something completely different. And he said to me, oh, do you want me to try to connect with your godmother? And my response to him was, well, isn't it too soon? Mm-hmm. You know, just passed away. And he said, oh, no, 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 it's not too soon. Let me see what I can get. Now, again, this is two days later. Right. And he said to me, he goes, oh, um, your godmother's pointing to her dress. Why is she pointing to her dress? And I said to him, I don't know. And I didn't know. I had no idea why. But I thought at the time she was always the type that liked to be dressed nice. Right. So that's, that's what I mentioned to him, but I had no idea. Then he says to me, she's shown me medallions. She's shown me some kind of medallion. He says, why is she showing me medallions? And I said, I don't know. He goes, well, he goes, uh, just be aware. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll find out soon. Well, the next day, I go over to her wake, okay? When I walked in, I almost passed out <laughs> because my godmother, remember he, he told me that she was pointing to her dress? Right. My godmother was buried in the dress she wore to my wedding. Oh. Okay, and I didn't know that. I didn't know she was going to be... There was even a picture of me and her in front of the casket where she was wearing the dress. So I was shocked when I realized, oh, my God, she's wearing the dress she wore to my wedding. Okay. Right. So, okay, I collect myself. I, I'm, I'm sitting down now, and it hits me. I look over at her coffin. My grandmother was very, very religious. Okay. She would always say to Novenus, the saints, you know, she was very religious. Uh-huh. So I look over at her coffin and clipped to her the top of the coffin was all these sent medallions. Right. Okay. And he said to me, why is she showing me medallions? I, I see these gold medallions. And I didn't know what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And then I go to her wake and I see that she had the sent medallions, you know, clipped to her coffin, the top of the coffin. Uh, again, how did, how did he know that? Right. That even, let's say, even if we, we want to go down the road of the, this psychic Yes, you know, uses his psychic abilities to read what you knew, but that's not the case because you didn't know it when you had when he told right. you these things. So we could scratch right. that out. It, exactly, and uh, and I'm and another thing that happened uh, that was interesting that day, I clearly heard my godmother clearly heard her tell me to put pictures of my daughters in her casket. Wow. So 
I went home, you know how they have the uh, you know the break in between. I went home and I got a couple of pictures of my daughters and I put it in her casket because I clearly heard her tell me to put the, the pictures of my daughters in the casket. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting because, like I said, in, in real life, I'm hearing impaired. But when I get a message from spirit, there is no doubt because it's so it's so clear. You know, I hear it. I hear it in my mind. So there right. is no doubt in what I'm hearing. And that's and yeah, that's one of those things that that it, it, I, I guess I I want to call it. It's an internal thing that that I like you said by now. You know, to pay attention to it as being authentic and genuine. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes people they. Like you said, they kind of want to dismiss it because they think it's their imagination or, you know, oh, this is so weird. And they just dismiss it because it makes them feel uncomfortable. But I'm sure by now you know better. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm, you know, I couldn't go back to the person I was prior to my experience, even if I tried, uh, because it, it totally changes who you are and how you, you know, how you look at life. Um. So, and and sometimes I do sit here and say, you know, geez, why me? Because it is hard sometimes, Marlene, you know. Right. I mean, oh. I, I have the bereaved coming to me for help all the time. And, you know, it breaks my heart. You know, how do you tell a mother who lost her young daughter, you know, why? Mm-hmm. Just say, why, why, why did God take my daughter? And right. why am I not receiving signs from my daughter and all that? Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's very, very hard. But, yes. but at the same time, I'm doing my best to help everyone out there. You right. know, I, I, um, I even have a prayer group on Facebook because I, I definitely believe in the power of prayer. So. Yes, yes. People, I think that people under, and I think people underrate that because unfortunately we and a society have become kind of addicted to instant gratification or in other words, instant results. Mm-hmm. And sometimes prayer doesn't work that way. <laughs> prayer no. sometimes no, things don't always yeah things don't always happen the way right. we want them to happen. Right, um, or in the timeline that you want it. Or and, and and this is another thing. Sometimes you never, for whatever reason, find out that your prayer worked. It worked, but for you're just never there to 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 find out. So there's always a question mark. Did it work? Yeah, it did. But maybe you. You just never found out, depending on what the prayer was for, or it takes place at a certain time, or you find out about it later on. The way you know that it's happening, and uh, you know God, or you know whatever you know. I I don't know. Some people call him a supreme being. Right. Whatever you whatever your beliefs are, uh, can't interfere. You right. know. Um, like sometimes our loved ones are able to help us. And like my grandmother, for instance, that day when I got on my hands and knees and I prayed to my grandmother, mm-hmm. um, and I found out that my daughter did not have Down syndrome. Okay. Uh, like I said, I, I do believe in praying to our loved ones on the other side because right. they, they can be of more help to us on the other side than they were when they were here. Right. But there are but there are cases where they can't interfere, you know. Right, and 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 you know, one of the things that I personally do is in prayers is that I ask for the most benevolent outcome, and I usually 
tag that on because sometimes, like you said, what you think you want or what you're praying for, you think, but sometimes it's not really in reality the best for who's involved. And it's maybe because we don't have all the information or it's just that that is not what's meant to be. But so you're wanting sometimes an outcome that's not really the best. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's important to, you know, have faith and, yes. you know, and give it up to God, leave it up to God. Right. Yeah. And and like I said, I, I, I'm... I'm very inquisitive, I'm very curious, but I'm fine also that there's some things that either I may never know or I'm not meant to know, whatever, you know, whichever one it falls into, which I think is one of the good things about, you know, uh, as far as wanting to know, there's nothing wrong with it, but, and by this I don't mean there's any taboo, you know, knowledge per se, I don't believe in that, but some things, for whatever reason, we're just not meant to know to be to continue to be ham- happy human beings, you know, just well, like we yeah, shelter exactly. our children from certain knowledge because they're just, it's not appropriate for them. I think that, that sometimes our happiness, uh, we're better off happy not knowing certain things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the afterlife, I certainly, you know, know a lot more now than I ever did. Yes. Um, I understand things more than I ever did, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and hopefully, um, I hope others understand as well uh, through my books and through my speeches and everything else that I'm doing. Um, you know, but uh, like I said to you before, there are certain people that, for whatever reason, are not open to, you know. Right, stories. exactly. They, they, it's, it's like everybody's in their own. And before I forget that, I want to mention. I know you said that you were from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. My husband is from Elizabeth, New Jersey. When you said Elizabeth, I said, "Hey, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. He left. He he moved down here like uh like around nine. I want to say I think it's nineteen ninety nine, and maybe about four years ago. Because he still calls it home. It's like New Jersey's home, and I'm like, no, but you live here now. But to him, it's always home. <laughs> what, part, what part of Elizabeth was he from? Oh, my God. Know? He's always told me these stories. And uh, I know that he, because he's in another room now. And I know he went to St. Adalbert's, I think, was one of the the schools that he went to. It's a Catholic school. Um, and he, uh, he grew up running around all over the place. And uh, like I said, he was there till like 1999. Uh, I mean, he just, well, he grew up into adulthood there. And like I said, yeah, we my, went back uh, there about four or five years ago. Florida. My mother, you're in Miami? Yes, I am. And my mother is in Deerfield Beach. Okay. Uh-huh. That's just so, a county up. And, um, yeah, so. well, we went back like four or five years ago because he had wanted to go back and it had changed, you know, a lot of, you know, and I, I'm like, okay, you're reliving, you know, you're having a hot tub time moment you know things change <laughs> people change you know uh because he, he you know he had a lot of good memories growing up there in elizabeth so yeah me too me too i had a, a wonderful childhood you know i grew up in a, a very italian neighborhood my parents are from italy and uh you know it was just it was, we had the italian feast and everything going right. on right oh my god he tells me about these parties and he was always telling me about all these things that were organized and uh uh yeah he 
and it was like um you know going to the gym and the school and the this and the that and uh yeah he would tell me like he would leave in the morning and he his mom would like not see him the entire day he'd be gone you know and, well, you know the conversation comes up because nowadays you know one of the things is that they say kids spend too much time indoors on the computers or you know playing on oh, games totally true i mean my daughters my god they constantly got their faces in their phones right um, and he was like you yeah, know i grew up different it was like man i went out the door and it was like my mom was lucky if she caught up with me i would like you know at 11 o'clock or i'd run in there and get something to eat and then run right back out <laughs> things like no yeah like there's no i feel like there's no real communication today because everybody's no. texting yeah. everybody's emailing there, right. there's less face-to-face these days and you know that's a shame yes yes know? and that's that's i think that uh even as human beings, forget children, besides the, you know, what we talk about as far as health-wise, etc. Um, you know, that sometimes even now, I, I don't know if you've heard the conversation that they want to like, you know, have kids go to school for 12 months straight versus no summer break. And I'm like, no, why? I mean, wow. come on. You know, we kids need that, you know, like. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, when my kids had their, I would send them to summer camp and they loved it. I'd have to drag them out of there because they were having such a good time. I, I think it resets your brain for the next, you know, the next grade. But anyway, Josie, I wanted to thank you so, so much for coming and talking to me today. It has been absolutely fascinating. And I wanted to go ahead, if you could give out your website address for anybody that's listening to the podcast version, I will include a link in the credits of the show. But for people who are listening, what is your website address? Uh, it's www.josie, J-O-S-I-E, Varga, V-A-R-G-A.com. Okay, Josie Varga. And like I said, I'll, I'll make sure to include uh, a link to it on the credits of the show. And again, I want to wish you the best of luck on all your projects. And it's a fascinating topic. Thank you so much for having me. It was nice chatting with you. Absolutely. Take care, darling. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, boy. Let me tell you something. This is so to me. It's like, why is somebody calling me? You know what? There we go. It's like, don't they know I'm busy interviewing? <laughs> Folks, this is this is an aside. This thing with the telemarketers is out of control. <laughs> I'm telling you. This is and, and, and even at this point, I have no idea how this number's gotten out because this number is a number that I use strictly for interviewing some of my guests if I'm not interviewing them on Skype. In other words, I have not publicized it. It's not out there. It's used one only for this purpose. And somehow, I still, it's like, hello. And, and I understand now. Well, I do it personally because I have no, where people now... Uh, don't answer their phone because it's nine times out of ten. It's uh, one of these bots or marketing bots or somebody. My God, it is. This is out of control. It really, really is. But anyway, guys, I hope you like the show. I know I love speaking to Josie. Her books are fascinating. The subject is fascinating. 
because it's inevitable that all of us at some point or other experience the loss of a loved one. Uh, sometimes it's somebody elderly, like a grandparent or an elderly relative. And as painful as that is, it's, I think it's easier to accept in the sense that it's, that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, we, most people, if you are in touch with reality, realize that we're mortal beings and that as we age, eventually there comes a time that even if you're in healthy things like wear out, you know, our organs, our bones, even if, you know, we wear out and then others, others have, you know, had a loss of a loved one that sometimes is unexpected or somebody that was younger. When I mean unexpected, either unexpected due to an accident or unexpected because of their age. And some people ask themselves these questions about the afterlife, you know, before they have an experience. And then there's others, like I said, that, uh, kind of think about it but it's really pushed off because sometimes it's an uncomfortable subject uh, and then something happens and then they start asking those questions and luckily there's people like Josie Varga that have written books about it because and I've mentioned this before um, there's something about when you're going through something difficult uh, especially like grieving that when you read about other people experiencing something similar and being able to cope and go or what it does give some level of comfort i mean it's not like a but because unfortunately i think that what makes any type of uh, emotional pain more difficult is when you feel isolated when for some reason you think you're being visited with something that's like just specially for you like almost as the universe picking on me or in some cases some people think god is picking on me uh but when you read other stories about people that have experienced similar things sometimes even worse uh and how what what happened with them uh especially when the message is very hopeful and I think that's one of the most important outcomes of reading any book like Josie's putting out or anybody that writes along those lines is the hope because without hope as human beings, we're basically when you enter into a state of prolonged apathy, that is when people just give up and I know that there's times depending on things that have happened to certain people where that it's inevitable, but maybe you get there, but then hopefully you're going to come across a book like the ones that Josie's written, where it's almost like the light at the end of the tunnel, where maybe that pain will never be gone, but that there is comfort in maybe thinking this person is going to be okay. They're going to be okay. Um, they that maybe I don't understand exactly the mechanics of it because obviously I don't think, despite all the reassurances that we get, like I said, I think there's certain things that you're just never going to get until you're there yourself. In other words, until you're dead. And as a life person, the best that we can do is to, especially when we're 
worried about uh, someone uh, that we loved. Okay, and I think this holds especially true. I think that again, like when we have somebody that's elderly that passes away, and they kind of they kind of know, and they you know, and everybody knows this person is going to be dying soon, or you know whatever. Or even if you have somebody that's been ill, okay, that they themselves are the first ones that are trying to tell you, I'm ready to go. In other words, it's a, there's a process there. I think the problem comes in when you have somebody that passes away suddenly, sudden heart attack, an accident. Something just happens that this person is gone. And I think the ones that are left behind are always... Besides the grief of not having that person, they're worried. Is is my loved one? Are they going to be okay? What, 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 you know, do they understand? What, like it's like this big giant question mark, and you just want that reassurance. Like they're okay. This whatever's going to happen, they're it's okay. And um, I think that short of actually dying yourself. Uh, reading these type of stories or or you know the the people you know the stories that she relates about people that she's interviewed kind of put a little bit of comfort in the heart of somebody that's grieving or in somebody that for some reason like she said maybe you're getting older maybe you never thought about it maybe you were scared to think about dying and you know and what if i you know talk about dying is that going to bring it to me yeah but there's people that are like that that it's like they don't they don't they even shy away from making funeral arrangements it's like yeah man i start doing this next thing you know i i end up dead yeah yes there's people that think like that but let's say like she said sometimes as people get older and things like that and, and i'm not talking you know just because you're ill you're just getting older and you start thinking about maybe what's been an uncomfortable subject for you like what happens to me what's going to happen to me like even if i'm old i i want to live in other words you your body's wearing down but you're thinking you know that me that's inside of me i don't want this to like just end and what happens is is it over is the judgment day scenario am i going to be raked over the coals for all the bad things I did. There's a lot. There's a lot of fear. Sometimes that become based on you what you were told as a child, based on religious beliefs, um, things maybe that you did. That when you did them, either knew the, you know, that, that all of a sudden you, you know, you didn't care about it, and all of a sudden you start thinking like, man, I did a lot of bad things. Like, what's gonna happen to me now when I'm getting old and I'm dead? Is like. I mean, that's the human condition. People evolve, you know. Uh, uh, and then they start asking themselves these questions. And when you read these books, it's kind of like, okay, no, there's more to us than just the skin suit. There's more to our self-awareness than what you experience. I think it's a fascinating subject. And I think it's a very important subject because even before we started recording, uh, me and Josie were talking about how sometimes 
until very recently, she mentioned that there was kind of a stigma either talking about it or even people that had near-death experiences or people that had what they call those crisis apparitions where maybe they saw somebody um, that had just passed away even without them knowing this is how they knew people. It was kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk about that because I'm going to get weird looks. And now it's a little bit more open. And I hate to say it, before that used to be the area that was ruled over strictly by your religious beliefs, which was, depending, of course, what your religious beliefs were, reincarnation, if, if you're Buddhist, uh, if you were Christian or in some other religions that believed in an afterlife where heaven and hell and judgment and in the case of Catholics or some Christians, purgatory. Uh, and this was this was handled by the religion. And I think that people are realizing this is a spiritual matter that I need to look into for myself as what I really am. You know what they say, uh, a spirit having a physical moment or a physical experience, not the other way around. I think it behooves us all as individual human beings at some point to, depending also what's been happening in your life, if you've been a spiritual religious person all along, you're going to be okay. You know, you kind of understand it or you have some belief system. And, but then there's others, like I said, that for some reason they've been in denial and I think that's got to be one of the worst things where, come to think of it, you're one of these people that thinks it all ends and then it turns out it doesn't. Like, what do you do then? <laughs> but anyway, guys, I hope you like this. Let me, I'm going to take a real quick look. I know I had promised um, to read to you guys about some of the emails that I've gotten from my true believers. And uh, I've gotten some that... Uh, that I, I, I have gotten a lot of them. I just have to go through them. And uh, in other words, make them, you know, because sometimes people, like, especially when people write to me, they kind of write like really crazy, you know, like, okay, but you got to give me a timeline because they skip around. So I'm working on that, but I'm going to have a show that I'm going to, I'm going to read, especially the ones that have just been written to me. Oh, and by the way, uh, I have been, telling you I, I I am gonna bring out a new book I want to bring out two new books I kind of rearranged the issuing the next one that's going to come out now in December of 2018 is going to be one called supernatural safety and this is a book which talks about almost like a DIY approach to supernatural by this I mean I'm going to talk about I'm gonna throw in some stories but believe me doing this as long as I have I got a lot of stories uh, and in other words, what what can you do in other, to handle something on your own? Because not everything you need a team for. Sometimes it's not even supernatural, paranormal. Okay. Uh, and it's kind of a little bit of DIY, some stories thrown in, uh, some suggestions on how to handle things. I also give caveats like, no, stop doing that and get somebody knowledgeable and professional in there to help you out. Uh and almost like a, a way of, because I'm very much into people being empowered about handling, even, you know, in other words, once we rule out non-paranormal things, 
you know, we're not talking an animal, we're not talking a vent, we're not talking something in your house that's making a weird noise and you're like ready to think, ready to move out. Once we cross that off the list, you know, what's left, you know, not everything, and I hate to say it because Hollywood sometimes puts us in that frame of mind, is either malevolent or intelligent or that we need somebody to help us out. Okay, let's not go to worst case scenario from the get-go because in truth, those worst case scenarios when we're either talking uh, the intervention of a house blessing or an exorcism, that's, guys, it's very dramatic, but in reality, it's very, very rare. Okay, and there's a, and and I want to say that I kind of, I don't like it when they disempower us as either individuals or as families or as parents. Um like that that there's not stuff there's nothing you can do because there's a lot you can do a lot especially when you kind of recognize certain things going on and from this I'm I'll even put in the books I'm not going to give you the whole book up front things that you can do either when you're going to be before you even move into a new house or when you're moving from another house and you have this feeling like you know what I don't want anything um just things that you could do I think your guys are going to enjoy it, and like I said, it's uh, uh, it's it's going to be for sale on my website, MiamiGhostChronicles.com, and also on Amazon, and I'll have links for it once it's ready for purchase. But um, then I've got another one coming out, like in the early part of 2019. But I think you guys are going to enjoy it because, uh, in truth, it's all about you. You do have the power, uh, and we are powerful beings. We are. And by this, I don't mean to be egocentric about it, but uh, there's, and and again, I don't have a problem with asking for help if help is necessary, but at the same time, there's no glory in being a victim. We're very powerful, and uh, I think that even when it comes to supernatural paranormal events, there's a lot of things that we can do on our own to either stop it or basically have it fade away. And I'll talk about it more in some other shows. So again, guys, thank you so very much for joining me and spending this time with me. Go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com for more information and links to the shows and podcasts. And again, thank you so very much for sharing this time. And of course, you are all wonderful. Take care.